Welcome to New Life Baptist Church, where we grow in relationships, grow in discipleship, and grow in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in our study of parables in the Gospel of Luke. These are stories Jesus used to apply the Gospel truths to the lives of Christians. So we ask you subscribe, join in, so that you don't miss a single Sunday. Continuing into parables in Luke, uh, and so this morning uh, be coming to you from Luke uh, 19, 11 through uh, 27, uh, the parable of the pounds, uh, as some versions have it, uh, and it's akin, I guess, to the parable of the talents, though it, there is a, a bit of a difference. The 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 talents would indicate. Uh, in the parable of the talents would indicate that each of us as Christians uh, have different talents and they're at different levels and, and your expectations are based on the talents that you have and you know honestly that's between each one of us and, and God uh, to know and, and to work with whereas the parable of the pound uh, would be more related to what we all have because as we'll see in the parable each one was given the same thing whereas in the talents it's clear that some people have it's just greater talents or whatever but does it make them less in the kingdom of God and actually just makes uh, somebody with less less expectations so to speak the expectations are based on the abilities God has given us. I can't explain all that. I don't understand all that. I don't pretend to. But, but the one thing, the one thing as Christians we all have is the gospel. Each one of us is the gospel to share. And in that, we're on a level playing field. That's not really based on talent. Me telling somebody about the love of Christ is just based on being willing to do it. And so that's what we'll look at in this parable this morning is um, the pound that we have been given. So if you uh, want to follow along here, Luke 19, 11 through 27, uh, Luke 19, 11 through 27, and God's word says, And as they, and they would be the disciples, heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and to return. And he called his ten servants, and delivered them ten pounds. And said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. 
Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gathered, or hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest what thou did not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore thou gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. Jesus says, For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them bring hither and slay them before me. And when he had thus spoken, he went there, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Let's pray. God, we just uh, stop and praise you for your word. And God, we do understand, we know it accomplishes its purpose, it's the promise of your word. God, I believe your word, and I do believe it accomplishes this purpose. And, and God, I know that um, there is a reason for this word this morning. And uh, God, I understand that your ways are much higher than our ways. And God, that um, while I cannot understand every aspect uh, of your kingdom, we do have your word in front of us that that opens our eyes to everything that we could need to know about your kingdom and to understand. And God, just that we would be diligent about studying it and, uh, and knowing your word and, and what it says. And God, we uh, thank you that, that you have given us this, this good word and we thank you and praise you for uh, so great a salvation that we can experience uh, in a relationship with Christ who died in our place who died where we should have died, who died a horrible death, the same horrible death that we deserved to die, and he did not. God, he was without fault, and that makes him the perfect sacrifice, and we just praise you and thank you for him doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So God, I just pray as we continue here again that our worship would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I feel like, <clears throat> by and large, this, this parable is pretty direct in a lot of ways. Uh, and it really lays out, uh, I feel like, expectations from a king. And, um, but there are some little 
idiosyncrasies, I'd say, in here that I, I feel we should really pay attention to and pick up on. Um, but, but as we look at this parable, we'll notice that there's basically three people or groups of people. We have the noble, we have the servants, and we have the citizens. And we see in this how they are dealt with um, by the nobleman. Now, we'll start with the nobleman. And a nobleman would probably translate to us more like a man born of high distinction. So, in other words, when you think nobleman, you wouldn't think Swahart. You would think like young, right? Something, right? Something like that. But Jeremy's over here going, I don't have any idea. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, you, you would, you know, even us, I think for us, what we really think, what we think of noble, we, we would consider, I mean, the first thing I think of is like England and royal, you know, royalness. You're born into royalty. It's not something you really acquire because you're a certain person. It's usually something that's acquired because you're born into it. And, and in this case, and especially in these times, uh, back, back in the, the days of, 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 uh, of Christ and his disciples, um, this would not be an extraordinary thing that a nobleman would go and um, receive his kingdom. And... Uh, Generally, a nobleman is going to be somebody who was born into a higher position. And a lot of times it would be first and beginning with a, a, a firstborn son. You know, the firstborn son was always generally the one. Uh, you know, I, throughout the Bible, you're going to see cases where that wasn't necessarily the case. But more times than not, the oldest son would receive the royalty or the most of it. And in some cases, as in this time with Herod, who had more than one son, and there was other areas where there were kingdoms where they could be kings over, um, it wasn't unusual for one to go to receive their kingdom from the proper uh, voices, the proper people. And, and so as, he, as Jesus is telling us this parable here, he speaks of this nobleman. And, and he just says the nobleman uh, is going to a far country. And he says, he does say a certain nobleman went into a far country, received for himself a kingdom, and to return. So the idea here is that he's going to a far country, that would indicate that he's going to be gone a while. Um, so he's, he's setting this stage up for his disciples, and he's setting it up because, because of, of what it says in verse 11. He says, And as I heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and, and pay attention to this, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should, should immediately appear. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, but the point here is just simply this. <clears throat> Their 
thoughts are the reason Jesus is telling this parable. That's the specific purpose of it because he wants them to understand something here. That, that there was a certain nobleman born of high blood or, or of a high place which oddly enough we think about Jesus from a worldly perspective wouldn't really be him would it? Born in a manger In Bethlehem, of all places, a, a nowhere and a nobody by all accounts. Yet, biblically speaking, we know that he was certainly born of a royal lineage. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. And so... Jesus certainly, in this particular case, is the nobleman. And while it's easy for me and you to understand this, I think at this point, <clears throat> the disciples did. The disciples did not understand this idea that Jesus, they, they still couldn't grasp this idea that he was going away and they weren't going to be with him. They were expecting him. The, the expectations were they were going to go to Jerusalem he was going to set up his kingdom. And you know what they were going to do? Live the high life right there beside him. He was royal. They understood his royalty. And I mean, I think they understood that well. But they just didn't understand how this kingdom of God was set up and going to be set up here on earth for a time. And so that time is the, is the essence of what he's saying Go receive his kingdom in a far country. So, what does Jesus do? I mean, he died. He rose again. And he ascended to the throne at the right hand of God and received his royal position. He received his crown. When, when Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of God, he received his crown. He received his kingdom. He is king. <clears throat> so as we look at this parable, we have to understand who the nobleman is. And the nobleman is King Jesus. And from this perspective and from this point on, we're going to look at how the nobleman deals, first of all, with his servants. And so he says in verse 13, he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds. One pound apiece. One pound apiece. Each one received one pound. And this is where I'm tell this is where I say this differs from the talents. They each receive the same thing. And one thing me and you both have is the gospel. The one thing we're asked to do that, that is not any different than anybody else is go and tell. That's the Great Commission. Every one of us is asked to go and tell. 
I may have this talent to, I know somebody would argue with it, I may have a talent to do electrical work. Do I think God expects me to use that talent for his kingdom? Yes. But guess what? A lot of that can be accomplished for his kingdom when I'm even at work. How do I represent him? You know, what, what do I do with what God has given me with the gospel? I'm not talking about the talent. I'm just talking about sharing that gospel when the opportunity presents itself. As I use my talents, however it is he's given them to me, which may give me more opportunity. Right? So, I'm accountable as God has gifted me, but we're all accountable the same with his gospel message. So, what we see, first of all, here, is that the servants recognize the nobleman as king. The servants recognize the nobleman as king. Are you a believer? Is Christ your Savior? I mean, if He is, you've recognized Him as king, though others may not. The citizens, and we'll talk a little bit about them in a bit, we're going to spend most of our time on the servants here. Because that's who he's really talking to at this point. His disciples, the servants. Y'all need to understand how this kingdom is going to be set up. So, so they recognize him as king. And if we recognize Christ as king, we recognize his word as the truth. I mean, there, I've got nothing else to go by. What do I go by? Whatever I think? No. I've got to go by what his word says. What he has given me. And his word tells me I'm responsible to share the gospel message. And so they accepted him as king, and so they accepted, they accepted that responsibility. Now, we can accept it, and we can accept Christ, but we can do different things with that responsibility. And that's what we'll see here with the servants. Um, and and the reason he's trying to explain this to them in this way is because we're going to go back up to verse 11 again. They thought. They thought. Well, what was the problem with what they thought? It was wrong. It was wrong. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I found myself doing this, done it, and different things. I thought a lot of wrong things about the kingdom of God. And it's, it's just a process of learning too. I mean, you don't really see him condemning them or, or chastising them for their thought. What's he look to do? Simply correct it. And so me and you need to be open to Christ correcting our thoughts. Our thoughts can be wrong. And boy, let's face facts. Just based on the way we're raised and based on maybe our livelihood, uh, based on who we hung around with as children, that we can develop thoughts 
that really aren't based on any kind of solid truth whatsoever. And that's why I say we have to be willing to look at God's Word and be in agreement with it, therefore understanding that our thoughts could be wrong. Now, I will admit, there are certainly basics of the gospel that we're all going to agree on. I mean, because they're just, they're just uh, necessary. To, to, to receive salvation, they're necessary. But, but guess what? When I accepted Christ as my Savior, did I, I, this is one of those things that a thought had to change. I did not understand that Jesus had always been here. I just didn't. God had always been here. God had created the earth, you know, created man, created all creation. You know, I understood and believed all that. But it just, just no, I mean, I accepted Christ when I was 14. Just no, I mean, I read the Bible, but there's still so much I didn't understand. So, so you know, and then you start getting into, you know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh, you know. I mean, so guess what? It'll come a point in my life where, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals to me as I'm studying that I always have been and always will be. But it was a preconceived thought that was incorrect. So the first thing I'm saying here, we need to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to correct our thoughts especially as we read and study the Bible, the Holy Spirit will give us discernment in His Word. But again, we're going to talk about accountability, and that's what this is all about right here. We're accountable to study and to understand those things too. And, and, and again, I'll say, I, I really believe this, Cognit cognitively, we're not all on the same level, but God judges righteously and perfectly. So he will judge you right based on our abilities. So me and you are responsible to know and, and to, to, to look at this parable and see what it's telling us. It, it, it's, not, it, it's telling us we're accountable in so many ways. We're accountable to change our thoughts if they're wrong. And we're accountable to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and as we move through that, we see that, that um, the servants, we, we, we said the servants recognized the nobleman as king. The servants had wrong ideas about the kingdom. And, and lastly for them, the servants answered to him. The servants answered to the king. That just makes sense, doesn't it? The servants answered to the king. So when he returned... And he said he would return. And he did. And in our case, we know. We expect the return of Christ. Uh, at some point, he's going to return. Uh, maybe, maybe we, as Paul would say, would sleep before that time. But yet when he returns, he's going to call us to him. And he's going to judge us according to what he give us. And in this case, focusing more on the gospel. Now let's look at the judge. 
the judging. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. He, the, the, the servant was dedicated to his king. And he was dedicated to serving his king the best he could. The second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, likewise to him, uh, be thou over five cities. Likewise being, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over five cities. Now, we don't really get deep into this servant here, but he said the same thing to him. So it would seem that still based on uh, what he did with it, maybe, maybe, maybe the population he was around wasn't as much. Maybe that's why he only gained five more. It, it doesn't go into that, but he still is commended for what he done with the king's money. And, uh, and, and, and I, I want to, I, I stop a second because I kind of missed that. I want to go back to, to look at verse 13 when he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. He said unto them, Occupy till I come. And, and the word occupy would probably, you know, to us, it, it's spend your time. Allow this to occupy you. My business, the king's business, Allow the king's business to occupy you until his return. I mean, folks, that's what we're about. I'm not, my main goal is not to go make money and live a life of leisure. As a, as a child of God, as a servant, my main goal in life should be my identification in Christ. My identification in my king. When people see me, I would want them to see the king. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, obviously, with being a hard worker and making money. Maybe a talent God has given you to serve him in another way. Right? But the point simply is, is that we should occupy ourselves with the kingdom of God. And these first two servants certainly did. And apparently well, because they were commended. But the third, and another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee because thou art an austere man, thou takest up that thou layest down and reapest that thou didst sow, did not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I had not laid down and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds, for I say unto you, 
that, that unto every one which hath shall be given from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. It seems harsh. It seems harsh. But once again, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say, the king judges rightly. I have no excuse. I will not have an excuse when I stand before God. The wicked servant's excuse was used against him. Because it really, it, 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 it indicted him. I mean, it just proved his laziness. And, and that's really what this comes down to, is, is this servant knew what he should have done. There's no mistake in that. He knew what he should have done. And, and so Jesus says, I'll, I'll use your own words to condemn you. You thought, you say I'm an austere or a hard, basically a hard man, uh, strict, exacting. If you were that fearful of me, you wouldn't have just hid it in a napkin which don't seem like a really good place to hide it anyway. I would say burying it in the ground somewhere would be better, but Terry, I'd never remember where I dug the hole buried it. <laughs> no, his own words convicting. He knew his responsibility. He didn't take his responsibility serious. So what he had was taken away from him. I guess the good news is we do not see him ever being called anything but a servant still. I mean, there's no indication at all that he wasn't a true servant of the king. I mean, what am I saying? As a servant, he, 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 he recognized him and understood and accepted him as king but he just didn't do the king's work when he should have. And what we'll see here is there's a price to pay for that. Um, and I think the indication is certainly more so later than now. Um, I think without a doubt, the Bible's clear that there's levels of heaven and there's levels of hell. And when I say levels, just in what we have or inhale the punishment that we take based on our lives. Uh, so it's, it's obvious that we as servants in this parable shows us that we will, we will answer to him. And as far as the king taken from the wicked servant and given it to the servant with the most. Remember what he told Peter? You worry about Peter. These people said, he already has 10 pounds. Don't y'all worry about that. This is my kingdom. I'm the king. I'm doing this right. Do you believe I'm righteous and just? Do we believe God is righteous and just? And we accept. We accept where he has put us, what he has given us. And trust in that. Knowing that there's far better coming. He told this wicked servant, 
and he makes the case so easily. He's, you know, you, you really didn't even have to try to do a little bit with it. I mean, you didn't, you don't, really, it doesn't take that much effort to do a little bit. Are you just willing to? I mean, he said, why didn't you just give it to the bank and at least let it draw something? I mean, why can't we every once in a while utter, praise God, he's too good to me, you know? We're without excuse if we don't speak up for God. I would say that as we look through this, you know, it indicates to me that well, for one thing, going back to the disciples' thought, it's pretty clear as Christians we always have a lot to learn. And, and, and I think I've said this before, we show up here on Sunday mornings and sometimes it feels so repetitious. You know, but, but if y'all know yourselves as well as I know me, I'm a hard case, you know. I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded often of God's word. I mean, like like this. It, it's, there's really wasn't a lot here. There, there's a few things I picked up that I really hadn't maybe thought about before, but there's really nothing. I don't think I'm probably telling you anything here this morning that to a large extent you understand and know, but we need to be reminded we need to be reminded. When we think about a lost and dying world, we need to be reminded what it means to share the gospel. And as we look at this last part, this makes it all the more clear how the gospel needs to be shared. Verse 27 but those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them bring hither and slay them before me. Now I'm going to tell you something. If when you first read that, first of all, when I first read that, I feel a little bit of vindication. I, you know, and it's like, yeah. But then my heart hurts. Because that's, that's not what I should want for them. I think at the end, God is right and just in judging them the way he does. But it should concern me their end. It should concern me enough that I would be willing to share the gospel even, even if, if, if I knew there was no difference in what I would receive when the Lord's kingdom comes. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't even, it really shouldn't even dawn on me. I don't think that's why we do those things. We do those things just because we want to serve our Lord because He's so good. And we don't want people to receive the just reward for their deeds. I accepted Christ because I believe what He did. And now I understand all the more how I deserve that just reward for my deeds. And I'm so glad that I don't have to receive it. 
And we should want the same for these. But this also tells us that the citizens, the citizens, you, you know, they, they, these would be people, they just refused to recognize him as the nobleman who would be crowned king. They refused to see him for who he was. A story follows along of one of Herod's sons that went to be crowned king and he had those that fought against him and uh, he was never crowned king. However, he, and this was probably resonated with them because this was all in his time frame. But he was never crowned king, but he, he was given uh, a certain amount of power, a certain position of of like an under king and, and he ended up slaying quite a few of the citizens that refused to recognize him as their, as their king per se. So it's something they would be familiar with and, and you know as well as I do, you, th you, you can, a king could have you killed just for approaching them without permission. The best part about our king is he's very approachable. And we have access through him, through Christ in him, and, and recognizing him as king makes us an ally, not an enemy. They fought him as king. We still see it. <clears throat> we see it in the United States today. And not just the United States. We see it a lot of places where Christians are persecuted. They fight God as king. We become, it becomes more common here in the United States that we want to hear less about God. We don't want to be accountable. If we hear less, we won't be accountable. I think that's a thought frame, or at least we won't feel as guilty. But you're still accountable. And that's what we're coming to right here, is that just like the servants answered to him, so did the citizens. Every knee will bow. And every mouth will confess that he is king. Which side are you going to be on? Because if you, if you wait <clears throat> till then to confess that he's king, it's too late. It's too late. When the king returns, it's too late. You won't have another chance. I don't see any indication of another chance here. And this lays out his kingdom. You can accept the king for who he is here and now or confess he's king when it's too late. Matthew Henry said, if you won't be ruled by the grace of Christ, you will be ruined by the wrath of Christ. 
Father, uh, that's the end of it for us, folks. If, if we refuse to acknowledge Him as King, as our Lord and Savior, if we refuse, we've brought that judgment on ourselves. It's not His fault. <clears throat> as a Christian, you can count on being fought with when you proclaim Christ as king. I, I hope there's some points that we hold strong to in here, but, but if I, you know, I mean, if, if I had to bring out two main points, it's that we have an obligation as Christians to share the gospel and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you, you will answer to Him just the same. Thanks for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching. Our goal is to help you and equip you to serve in the way God is calling you. This is where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow together in Jesus Christ. We hope that you continue to tune in and to subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday.